a little bit of a surprise today. I'm going to drop this in the middle of all of this. And I would love it if all of the kids could come up here. No, Mary Lou, you can stay there. We're going to practice something here. And it's something that you've all learned at some point in your life, I'm sure of it. Over here, on this side of the, the sanctuary here. We're going to pretend that this aisle right here that goes up to the altar and to back to the back of the sanctuary is a road. Okay? It's a busy road, and we're going to cross it. Let's go. We're going to cross it. Let's go. What do you do when you come to a street? You don't stop. You just keep looking and walking both ways. <laughs> I was taught that we're supposed to get to the street and stop, right? And then we look both ways. And then what? What's that? Look both ways again and then listen. That's what I heard. So let's do this again, okay? You guys lead me across here. What are we going to do? Come on, Megan. Get up here. Show us what to do. Stop. Okay, we looked both ways. Listened. Okay, now we can go. Let's go. Cross here. All right. Everybody make the cross safe. All right, perfect. I don't know about you all, but when I was your age and younger, I was so busy doing stuff. Like, I would get home from school, and I would go out and jump on my bike. I didn't have to do homework right after school. I did it at the end of the day, much to my mom and dad's chagrin. But I did it at the end of the day, and so I got home and got on my bike, and when I got tired of that, I jumped off of that and go grab my basketball and went to my neighbor's house and played basketball with him. When I got tired of that, I would go in and eat, and then when I got done eating, I would go back outside and play basketball. When I got tired of basketball, I would go climb a tree, and if my sisters were out, I'd grab some dirt and throw it at her and at them, and all of that fun stuff. But I never stopped, looked, and listened to my life so busy every single moment that I just never stopped, looked, and listened. And as we approach Lent, is the purpose of the entire Lenten season is to stop, look, and listen at how God is calling us to do something in our own lives. If it's to go to the nursing home and, or to, to practice the piano in front of people or whatever the case might be, but you have a calling on your lives a divine calling on your lives to do something really special. And this, over these next 40 days, it's 46 technically, but we don't count Sundays. 40 days is the Lent season. I hope and pray that you all will stop and look and listen to your life so that you can really listen and find God at work in your lives. Will you do that for me? I'll check in. I'm not afraid to call people. All right, before you go back, let's, uh, let's say a little prayer, okay? Gracious God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for a very basic lesson of stopping and looking and listening. We pray, God, that in the busyness of our lives from school and practices and eating and talking on the phone and playing games, that you would ask us just to stop and look and listen for you at work in our lives so that we might be better and more capable disciples of Jesus Christ. All this we pray and all God's people say, amen. Thank you all. This morning's New Testament lesson comes from 2 Peter, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. 
For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by human will, but by men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Merciful and gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity to hear from Peter, his witness his witness of Jesus Christ and hearing you speak your pleasure of Jesus Christ to all who could hear. God, we pray that we might learn something from this moment and that it might urge us as we are out in the world to also witness. All this we pray. In 2018, while I was floating around out in the Mediterranean on deployment, we had uh, an opportunity, that's what they like to say, an opportunity to have the leaders of the big guns and the missile defense system give us a presentation on how the big gun and the missile defense system works, how it was supposed to go off without a hitch. And so they gathered, they had the presentation, the PowerPoint presentation, and presenting it to us is a 22-year-old recent college graduate. What caught us all off guard was when he used the term, in my experience. (laughs) What? You're a little kid. What, ex- what life experiences do you have? And then what experiences do you have with the big guns and the missile defense system? I wanted to stand up and say, uh, listen, Ensign Schmuckatelli, I... That's our pet name for... I'm a chaplain on this ship. I signed the Geneva Convention that says that I won't pick up any single weapon, and I have more experience with the big gun and the missile defense system than you have. It was a little disheartening, to say the least, and I don't think any of the leaders on the ship were any comforted either, because they had had the experiences that he did not have. And so, Ensign Schmuckatelli, in his use of all of these big fancy words and technical jargon, didn't fool anyone. He used those terms as smoke and mirrors to make it seem like he knew exactly what he was talking about, and it was proven that he didn't 
when the captain asked the very first question. <laughs> it's disheartening, to say the least, when people present smoke and mirrors. If you ever hear me start out a sentence with, in my experience, which we should start the surgery by making a cut right behind the Abdullah Mon what is it? I can't even say it. If you hear me attempt that, you should run. I can't even get the splinter out of my finger that I picked up. There's something about an authentic experience that makes someone an authority to give counsel. And so I can empathize with Peter who has found himself up against some false teachers who are questioning the legitimacy of Jesus Christ's second coming. These false teachers were wondering what was taking so long, and because it had taken so long, they started to dismiss divinely inspired prophecy as a cleverly devised myth. They were asserting that the prophets, even those clear back in the Old Testament, were making things up. They were deceiving everyone, basically, with smoke and mirrors. In defense of Jesus' second coming, Peter wrote, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. And later on, in a few, few verses later, we ourselves heard his voice from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. If I heard Peter say, in my experience with Jesus, then I'm all in. He was there, folks. He saw Jesus' face shine like the sun and his clothes brighter than, than dazzling white. The bright cloud and Moses and Elijah and God's voice from heaven. He was there. His first-hand experience of Jesus' transfiguration gave him the full weight of authority to discuss the truth of Jesus Christ's return. There were no smoke and mirrors. He saw it all. His testimony and experience of God's favor resting on Jesus Christ as the Messiah was as real as it gets. And so that leaves me wondering if these false teachers had had any experience with Jesus Christ in their own lives. Today, it's easy to wonder, like the false teachers, if God is concerned with the world, with creation. With every natural disaster and the impending suffering it brings, we wonder why God let it happen and if God has ever shown up to help it. With every disease that takes away the people we love, we wonder why God wouldn't wipe that disease off of the face of the earth. With every mass shooting, we can't help but wonder if evil has a stronger voice than goodness and love. With so much 
bickering and fighting in just about every aspect of our lives, it's easy for us to think that God's peace is a thing of the past and something that we shouldn't anticipate in our lives. It's so disheartening that more and more people are questioning the prophetic witness that is contained in the Bible and of God's existence at all, and especially in the world. We all have friends and relatives who have probably looked at us in the face and told us that religion or God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit or faith or Christianity or prayer, that none of those mean anything anymore. They wonder why we waste our time going to church still. If you've had someone say something like that to you, what was your response? If you haven't had anybody say anything like that to you, what would be your response? Church, each and every single one of us has an eyewitness, firsthand experience of God at work in the world. Do we not? I would imagine that some of us here this morning have experienced God's tremendous mercy. When Kathy and I were adopting our children, mercy, mercy that could be granted by God alone, came in a message that granted us permission to travel to their countries. Finally, relief. The struggle that we had endured for a year was over. That is mercy for us. How has God shown you mercy in your life? Was that not a real life encounter with God? Maybe some among us have experienced God's grace in our lives, the free and unmerited favor of God. Without a doubt, seriously, I mean, there is no explanation that, except by God's grace, that Kathy has been my best friend and wife for so long. I did not deserve that blessing. But still, God looked on me with favor and granted it to be so. How has God shown you grace in your lives? Is that not God being involved? I'm sure that there has been a time in your lives that needed some form of healing, physical, mental, spiritual, and God granted it. For me, I sustained a traumatic brain injury in 2005 while riding my bike out on the back roads. Two years later, when the words, you're all clear, came from the doctor, I could not and cannot deny that God's healing hand was upon me. How has God healed you in your life? 
Was God not concerned about you? Remember all of those times when you've gathered as a family or as friends, and from those memories you can recall a time of happiness and joy. There is no doubt in my mind that God was in our midst as the five of us traveled around to different countries laughing and having such a great time. Laughter and camaraderie and closeness with you, with those you love. How could those not be God breaking into our lives and offering us a real life, authentic, eyewitness experience of God at work in the world? Just this morning, I saw the sunrise. Man, how could we deny God's existence? Church, we have every reason to fend off all of the attacks so many around us are launching at our faith in God's promises for us. When they accuse our faith as being just a bunch of smoke and mirrors, we can tell them, not so, my friend, I was there. We can and should be able to offer them our own encounter with God, sometimes through Jesus Christ, sometimes through the Holy Spirit, sometimes through family and friends and newborn babies and pets and nature, sometimes through strangers in strange places. But our experience has authority. We were there. We felt God among us. We saw God's mercy and grace and healing and sense of humor. Those who doubt, they can't ever take away what God has granted us and we should feel empowered to share with them that God's promises are real and that Jesus Christ has indeed come because he has come into our hearts and changed our lives. Jesus Christ is the Messiah and he has come to reign and be sovereign in our lives here and now and forever. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, we pray that you would indeed reveal yourself to us this day so that we might sing your praises and rejoice in our eyewitness account of you caring for us, being involved in our lives, nurturing our world, and loving us like no other can. You sent Jesus Christ. You sent him to die for our sins, to wash us clean. How can we not testify to that? All this we pray in Jesus Christ's name, and all God's people say, Amen.